Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. Today on the Ether, DeFi 101, Episode 8, Bitcoin Ordinal Inscriptions with Bugsy. Let's take a listen. Alrighty. We'll get this started in a minute to reconnect. So that doesn't that doesn't look good to start out. So and, and by the way, I, I'm not gonna like waste a bunch of time in the beginning like I normally do. But yeah, this is episode eight, DeFi 101, Cosmos DeFi, that's me. Maria is our co-host, and we're going to have Bugsy, who I just met last week in like a two-minute back and forth in DMs. We're going to talk about Bitcoin ordinal inscriptions, aka ordinals, and um, this will be fun. This will be fun. How are you doing, Maria? Hey, how are you doing, Joe? Very good. How many how many inscriptions have you made with your women from Cosmos kids? Right now, the collection updated is up to 25, but they have more waiting for being updated on their marketplaces. That's really cool. And I, and for people that don't know, Maria, um, as part of her women from Cosmos kids collection, I think it's, if you have five, you get to have a custom where she could change traits for you and she did uh send me mine yesterday and it's it's pretty cool it's one of her women from cosmos kids and she has the full moon in the background and you could just barely make out the bitcoin logo in the moon i thought it was cool yeah exactly so whoever is holding like five women from cosmos kids from the stargate collection i was doing and actually this is the last week to apply so it's good that we're saying it this here uh, you can actually customize 100 your kit with the different traits from the collection which are like 114 plus the traits from the one-on-one pieces and some traits that i did you know like exclusive for this ordinal collection like the btc moon you mentioned which by the way is one of my favorites and it's been really awesome. Like I'm really loving, you know, to learning more from ordinals and actually from inside and testing and playing around with them. So I'm really excited to hear from our guests today. Yep. I was talking to him at eight because I actually thought this, um, I thought the space was at eight, <laughs> but then I realized it was nine and he said, oh no, I'll be there at nine. So hopefully he didn't forget or get tied up. So we'll see. But either way, we could... Um, we could talk about the process from the creator standpoint. What did you actually have to do? What websites, tools did you use to create the ordinals for your women from Cosmos kids? Well, first of all, you have to keep in mind that there is a limit related to the site. So, for example, uh, for pixel art collection are really easy to do because they will be around like 25, 35 pixels. 
But in compare with mine, which are like bigger size, my pieces are around 2000 pixels. So first of all, I had to reduce the, the size. I reduced it to 1500. And also we have to keep in mind that uh, the main piece will vary um, related with the size of the piece. So yes, obviously you can imagine my, my inscription are more expensive. Um, I'm using Gamma. I don't know if here uh, in the audience, the, the people have heard about it, but it's super easy. It's a website and it's actually really simi um, similar to just minting on, on it. Like you go there, you drop your image, they give you different options about mean fees, like, you know, normal, you can do it faster. Um, yeah, you just send the payment and they process to, to do the inscription. So it's pretty easy to do actually. I, I tried to do, um, and Bugsy's up here. I really appreciate you helping us out, man. Um, a lot of the people in this space are focused on Cosmos Atom ecosystem, but are interested in others as well, especially Bitcoin. So this is awesome that you're joining. But yeah, Maria, I took one of your original women from Cosmos NFTs and I tried to inscribe it. And it was like, uh, it was like 1300 bucks because the resolution was, it was way too high. So I, I ended up not doing it. Hopefully your feelings aren't hurt, but um, oh, Maria no, did no, send no. me, <laughs> she did send me her inscription. And lately the two of us, we've been buying um, the Bitcoin, the Moonbirds. And I don't know why, but I just always liked the Moonbirds. They're kind of a popular Ethereum collection. So I was just kind of, I tried to get like a whole family of Moonbirds and um, I have like one of each color and, some of like the got a couple clean ones, a couple funny trait ones, but um, yeah, th th that's that's the new OCD on my end. Um, but I'll yeah. I'll let I'll let Bugsy introduce himself, and then usually Bugsy, what I do is spend like a little bit of time just talking about the topic, and then have people that are as curious as me come up, ask questions if you don't mind, and uh, yeah, we're all eager to find out more about or no inscriptions. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, and uh, nice meeting you guys. Um, first time talking on space with you, so uh, pleasure. Um, I'm uh, obviously a bit more of a, a Bitcoin fella rather than a Cosmos guy, but um, that's okay. You know, I'm not. Um, I, I would consider myself a quote unquote Bitcoin maxi, but I'm not going to be the toxic Bitcoin maxi that yells at you for um, you know buying things that you believe in or supporting projects that you know you wanna you wanna support. Um, uh, I'm kind of just uh, buying Bitcoin, holding it for the long term. Um, I believe that uh, Bitcoin is is money, and um, you know we we all uh, kind of use the U.S. dollar or maybe another fiat currency. And I think um, we we're kind of seeing those collapse around us a little bit. Maybe not collapse, but um, they're definitely being affected and and played around with by our 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 governments. So um, I'm opting into a money that's more sound, fixed, um, and has specific rules, parameters that can't really be broken. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. And yeah, I got really into Bitcoin ordinals. And um, I see that it's bringing in a lot of people from the altcoin crypto realm. So I'm happy to help educate and talk about this stuff and hopefully onboard some people and just have some good discussion. So thanks for having me. Cool, cool. No, I think a lot of people in here are also buying Bitcoin actually since like November, that's pretty much all I've bought except for like flipping some NFTs and then like taking some high risk altcoin chances. But I guess 
we were just in another space, like a kind of a pregame up to this. And um, the way that ordinals, ordinal descriptions were explained to me in the beginning, and it made, made it hard for me to understand, actually. And I, I spent a few weeks just not understanding it, but that it was, oh, these are NFTs on Bitcoin, but they don't seem to be NFTs really on Bitcoin. People are just using images of NFTs as kind of like a use case of the ordinal protocol. So are these NFTs on Bitcoin? Is it okay to think of them that way or is there a better way to think of it? Yeah. So um, the creator of these uh, ordinals, they call them digital artifacts. Um, You know, you can use NFT if you want. Um, It is just a little bit misleading because NFT stands for non-fungible token. And um, if you've been in Bitcoin long enough, you know that um, all Bitcoin is fungible. So um, even think of it like a, a dollar bill with a serial number on it, right? Um, there's hundreds of thousands of dollar bills floating around. They all have their own unique uh, serial number on the, the uh, piece of paper. But I can trade you, you know, $1 for $1 and it will be of equal value, right? Just like I can give you one Bitcoin and you can give me one Bitcoin. And really, there's no difference. Um, so ordinals is kind of like, a, think of it like a lens, right? You know. Um, I have these fancy, you know, glasses that that can see the ordinals on what's called the satoshis, right? A satoshi is basically just a fraction of a bitcoin. We're basically using a satoshi as a receipt to track a file that's on bitcoin. So the file doesn't move, but the satoshi moves wallet to wallet and think of that like a receipt. Um so again, it can be kind of like an NFT, right? We're we're tracking a file attached to a satoshi just like we're tracking a token attached to an IPFS server with a file on it on Ethereum or Cosmos or um, whatever. Um, but yeah, there obviously are some differences and some limitations compared to um, other um, platforms or, or uh, ecosystems or uh, coins, cryptos. Okay. And then you, you said that that's kind of like a receipt associated with a single Satoshi. If I send the Satoshi to someone else, that receipt goes with it or does the receipt stay in the block where it was first inscribed yeah so so yeah so if this if we're using this sat as a receipt then the satoshi goes to the other person's wallet just as you make a regular bitcoin transaction um and the file is what's staying on chain so even on um ethereum or any other chain you're not really moving around that that picture right you're basically using uh, a what's called a non-fungible token assigned to that file to then move around wallet so it's the same thing as an nft but you're using a satoshi instead and so i can use a regular bitcoin wallet just as i usually do with regular bitcoin transactions and i can hold ordinals in the exact same wallet but obviously it'd be advised to maybe have a separate wallet so that you don't accidentally spend you know your ordinal to someone else when you're making a when you're paying for coffee or something like that right um but yeah it works in the same sense where I don't need like another wallet. I don't need to download a different app that's completely separate just for ordinals. I can have a regular Bitcoin wallet and I can store ordinals on it because Satoshis are stored on it. So it's a very similar. All right. Because when I when I inscribe my ordinal, I did have to get a different wallet. Is that just because certain wallets were not, um, I guess, not fit to handle but the visual right. aspect of the ordinals, are they the same type of address? Because I think I have two different addresses in my ordinal wallet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're, you're on the right track. Um, so basically, um, a lot of wallets before ordinals, right, didn't really 
support ordinals because they didn't know what they are. Um, so it's it's more about the viewing, right? Um, Xverse Wallet, for example, is a is an app, uh, is a is a, is a wallet app that basically has your 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 Bitcoin funds in one address or or wallet, and you have your ordinals in another wallet. So they kind of segregate it for you. And then yes, they have a, a nice little viewer so that when you click into your ordinals wallet, you can see all your pictures and reference them and click on a link to uh, to ordinals.com and view it. Um, but yeah, you you know, there's a bunch of different address types in Bitcoin. There's um, legacy addresses, SegWit addresses, um, Taproot addresses. So you might be referring to what's called a Taproot address, which is just kind of an, an extension of a SegWit address, um, but with just different functions. Um, it's, it's just a longer string of letters and numbers. Um, and really, um, to basically to make an inscription, you need a Taproot wallet or address. But once you've created that, um, you know, once you've written that file to Bitcoin, you can transfer it to any address or, you know, wallet you want. Um, and just, just so that everyone knows, like addresses are in a wallet. So uh, you, have your, you have your wallet and then you have like thousands of addresses in a wallet. So think of it like, uh, um, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> you, have a, you have a mailbox, but there's like, you know, 30 different, 30 different files or addresses that you could, you could put that slot in or whatever. Yeah. Might be a good example there. Got it. Okay. I know that definitely helps. When I, when I first started, I used, um, the Hyrule wallet, the, you know, the, um, the stacks wallet. And, um, you know, I just was, there wasn't that much information early on. So I just kind of had to like follow whatever was out there. And they did say to get a different wallet, but I guess it was because of the visual aspect. And also you don't want to accidentally send the sat, uh, with the inscription when you're just trying to do a regular transfer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So obviously in the beginning, yeah, a lot of people just didn't really know what they're doing. And um, basically what what those apps are doing behind the scenes is called coin uh, coin control, where, um, like I said, you know, you have a wallet, but you have like hundreds of addresses in that wallet. So um, there's there's apps like uh, Sparrow Wallet, which is a more advanced wallet um, that kind of allows you to select specific addresses and spend specific Bitcoin without spending other Bitcoin. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really nice segregator and, and basically controls your coins a little better. Um, but yeah, if you just downloaded a, a random um, easy app wallet and then, you know, didn't know that there's ordinals in it, you could potentially spend that to um, someone that you're sending funds to or even potentially, you know, spend that ordinal to, as a fee to a miner. Um, so that's kind of where these ordinal aware wallets come in, where they kind of help users um, that are a little less... Um, less knowledgeable, right? Um, to help, help them with this process. Got it. All right. Well, um, Maria's up here with me. She often co-hosts different spaces. She's an NFT creator actually within Cosmos and also a couple of other chains. And she's been inscribing some of her NFTs. Maria, we're, we're used to like really ultra low fees in Cosmos, like 0.00001 penny to do smart contract transactions. Tell Bugsy about the fees that we encounter on Bitcoin and how upset we are. <laughs> well, it's what you were saying that you tried to inscribe one of my pieces and it was saying like 300 bucks. I tried to inscribe one and it was asking me for 8,000. I was like, yep, it's not going to happen now. But actually, and 
it's, it is also a pity because I've been trying uh, for some to to use the economic fees. Um, it's, it's impossible. Like I'm still waiting for one to arrive. And I did it like, I don't know, like weeks ago. So, but, you know, that is a bit limited. But I wanted to ask you, Baxi, about how do you feel um, related to the side in the sense of, uh, we cannot play around with big uh, files to be inscribed. Actually, not because of the main fee, but you know, because of the mm-hmm. limitation of the of the chain itself. Yeah. So, just for people in the audience, um, uh, a Bitcoin block happens every is, is mined every ten minutes. Um, we use what's called a proof of work method, where we have a bunch of ASIC miners, which is application specific integrated circuit computers. That is basically just making a bunch of random guesses, very high very high number uh, guesses per second. Um, and yeah, and the block is only four megabytes big, right? Um, if more if more miners come online, um, basically there's something called the difficulty adjustment where um, you know more miners come online so it becomes easier to mine a block. So then there's, there's blocks coming in at faster times. So then the difficulty goes up. But if um, there's miners that drop off because maybe it's less profitable, then you know maybe it takes 10 and a half minutes to mine a block. So then after two weeks, um, the, the difficulty goes down. Um, but in, in terms of your question for the block size, right, each block is only four megabytes. So yes, you are limited in your space. Um, and I think that's on purpose, right? Um, Bitcoin is trying to be a decentralized network. And if you had um, a mass amount of data, um, like basically having an infinite uh, block size where anyone can just dump as much as possible, then it would be really hard for the tens or even hundreds of thousands of nodes running worldwide to sync all that data. Um, so it'd be a little tricky. So four megabytes is, is very small and it, and it takes less than you know five seconds um, for everyone around the world to sync that node to basically download all that data onto their own local um, storage. Um, so block, block space is scarce. Um, it, I think in the future, um, you know, this might be priced out a little bit, right? It, it might be, they'll still be around. Um, but I, I think financial transactions will, will definitely price out a lot of these because they are more economically dense. So um, if you go to um, a website called mempool.space, it's a great visualizer. Uh, maybe I'll post it in the nest after I, I'm done talking here. But basically, you'll see a block and it will, you'll, you'll click on the block and you'll see a bunch of tiny blocks inside of it right so um usually the inscriptions are bigger blocks bigger blobs that are you know um kind of take up you know maybe one twenty-fourth of the of the um of the space they can be smaller bigger depends on what file size you're inscribing obviously um but you'll see that financial transactions with a lot of bitcoin you know like four five six bitcoin even a lot more can fit in such a tiny 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 little block because um, the virtual size of that is, you know, maybe a hundred bytes, whereas like a picture might be like a hundred thousand bytes or a hundred kilobytes. Um, usually they're less than that, but, um, there's just a massive size difference. So on Bitcoin, you, you pay for the space that you're, um, you're trying to mine or in- include, right? So the bigger the file, the more it costs, um, and yeah. And so because it's scarce, um, it's going to be valuable. Right. And I think over time, people will realize that. I don't know. We can maybe even get into the Bugatti um, ordinal thing, but 
Bugatti is uh, basically releasing their exclusive 111 um, ordinal um, collection. And you're seeing a lot of people basically do these smaller collections, right? Instead of a 10K collection where you can snap your fingers and, you know, pay five cents and, um, and, and there you go, you have 10,000 um, basically NFTs. Um, you have to pay for every single file that you write to the chain. So if you want 10,000, you have to pay for all 10,000 um, files, right? So it does become a little cumbersome and, and adds a little bit more of that upfront, upfront cost for creators. Um, now, there's other ways around this where you can do like a, a mint where basically you, you have the files all in a, in, a, in a folder and you say, hey, hey, um, you know, hello, community, you know, go into this file and inscribe. And then maybe they can do it for you. Um, but if you want to do it all up front, and you know your files are are pretty big. Then it might cost you between twenty to a hundred thousand dollars to do like a you know a thousand collection. So um, yeah, it's up to everyone that kind of you know a, a creator. And um, you know if you think it's worth it, then you will inscribe it. And then it's also important to realize that once you've gone through that process, once you've paid all that money to inscribe on chain, you know transferring it to other people afterwards costs very little. It costs like ten cents. Um, it's just the initial inscription process that costs the most amount of money. Um, but yeah, again, like I said, um, you know, if you find it valuable, you will inscribe it. If you don't find it valuable and not worth it, then you won't, right? So it's a, it's definitely a balance there. Cool. No, that was that was a good explanation. I, and for people that come to these spaces, I I actually take notes so that I could kind of recap it at the end. And that was a uh, that was a really good explanation of the. Uh, kind of the block size and the um the way in which the different types of transactions fit or maybe don't fit in a in a block so thanks for that um i guess what other use cases have emerged besides just sending pictures or inscribing pictures i should say or what what do you see on the horizon as something a little more um i don't want to say interesting but maybe a little more um of interest to people that are not nft people let's say sure yeah so obviously a lot of people are incentivized by money so um you know if you can create a you know thousand pfp collection and and sell it to a lot of people and create hype and value then um that's that's your prerogative right you're going to do that um but for you know maybe people that kind of um look a little farther down the line and and um you know aren't really exactly building a community they just want to have like immutable data storage um, I think that's really powerful. Um, you know, the first example I like to bring up is um, STL or step files for 3D printed um, files. So um, think about, um, you know, I know it's a little extreme, but, you know, a 3D printed gun file, right? Um, your government doesn't want you to um, be able to print your own weapons and, you know, defend yourself against their military, you know, it's a little bit extreme again. Um, but there's nothing like a government can do to like stop you from writing that STL file to Bitcoin. And then that file is now distributed um, worldwide um, across tens, if not hundreds of thousands of nodes. Um, so I think just even immutable data in general is, is very powerful. Um, you know, WikiLeaks, um, for example, is another thing where, you know, say your government wants to take down a website with some data or some information about them that, they don't want getting out. 
well, you just write it to Bitcoin and there's nothing they can do. Like they can't really stop it or take it down or, or anything, right? It's, it's impossible. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty powerful. Uh, I like that one. And um, other than that, I see people basically writing like text files, um, audio files, stuff like that. Obviously, audio is pretty big, um, but text files are very small. Um, and people are kind of doing some cool processes or cool implementations like um, there's something called ERC-20 on ETH. So they're trying to do like a BRC-20, like a, a Bitcoin ERC-20 token. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but I don't know like if that's going to like last long term. But yeah, definitely the immutable data portion is important, even if you don't have ownership over it or selling anything or anything like that. Like just just being able to write something and then having that distribute across hundreds of thousands of nodes worldwide is uh, is pretty cool to me. Yeah, and I did hear that each node doesn't necessarily have to store all the data. So it's not um, kind of overbearing for people that are running a full Bitcoin node, which is pretty nice. But it, but I heard also it is pretty easy if you wanted to run your own Bitcoin node, if you are inscribing a lot of data and you want to make sure that it's available. Yeah. So um, just to clarify on that one. So uh, basically what you're talking about is, is pruning. Um, and that's possible. Yes. Um, yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, a lot of people obviously don't know how to do it yet. So um, 99% of the stuff that you upload or, or inscribe will, will be on everyone's node, <laughs> um, except for the small amount of people that know how to prune. Um, but um, all that information does is still needed for what's called initial block download, which is IBD. So if you want to contribute to you know, having another node start up um, and basically sync to the network, th uh, that new node will have to download every single piece of data, including inscriptions, which is you know, stored in the witness data file of a transaction. Um, but once they've verified the signature in there, because the, the witness data is basically just a, a signature, we're storing files in it, but it's, it's more for um, a witness signature, basically. Um, once they've verified that signature or they've verified all those files, then they can dispose of it. So um, it will, it's still very permanent. And, um, you know, pruning is scary, but, um, but happy to talk about it and kind of guide people through it and help people understand what it really means rather than just saying, well, Everyone can just prune it off their node and it's gone forever, right? Um, I personally think that if you find something valuable, you will store it, right? Um, that's why I always encourage people to run nodes, uh, Bitcoin nodes, and store their own data. Um, if, if people didn't find Bitcoin valuable, people wouldn't run Bitcoin nodes and Bitcoin would cease to exist, just like a lot of things. Um, so if you find your work valuable, then maybe run a Bitcoin node and store that, store that file on your own node, right? Um, so something to think about. Cool. Um, Maria, what do you think so far? Pretty good uh, professor for DeFi 101. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm loving the space a lot. And actually, I wanted to ask you another question because um, Joe tagged me in one of your tweets talking about uh, timing related to inscription fees. I just shared it here on the pin tweets. Um, that's why I, I got to know you. And of course, when we are inscribing, we have also to keep in mind that if maybe another like big collection is minting, like for example, when uh, ape banks, they were minting inscription were crazy, another timing or another advice for creator that are maybe thinking about to inscribe their own ordinals. 
Yeah, so I, I think you're referring to this post where I was saying, hey, like, if you want to inscribe stuff, um, there's there's different, definitely a better time and a worse time to do so. So, you know, if, if you want to save on fees and you want to basically pay less sats per byte, uh, meaning that, you know, every byte that you, you write to Bitcoin, you have to pay for. So if fees are low, if, you know, for example, fees are around, you know, three to four sats per byte, um, for a 20 kilobyte file, you might be paying, you know, uh, 20 bucks or, you know, between 10 and 20 bucks. But let's, let's for an example, say that the, the fees now on chain, you know, the, it's, it's in the middle of the day, um, you know, Bitcoin's pumping, people are very active in trading and, and making a lot of Bitcoin transactions. And now, now the fees on chain, instead of being three to four sats per byte, they're now, you know, 20 to 30 sats per byte. Um, now that's that's very exponential for people that are trying to write a lot of data um, onto the chain at a time. Um, so, uh, for example, if if I wanted to send a Bitcoin transaction when it was you know three to four sats per byte, it might cost me twenty cents. Now, if it's twenty to thirty sats per byte, these you know high demand, it might cost me a dollar. Okay, so I'm going to pay an extra eighty cents. Not really big of a deal for me because I'm only pushing. You know, like a hundred bytes onto chain. I'm just doing. I'm just making a small transaction. Um, it's not really a lot of uh, a lot of storage uh, or a lot of data. But if I want to, you know, inscribe a a moonbird or um, a Bitcoin ape or or whatever, right? Um, that might be like you know twenty twenty kilobytes, thirty kilobytes or more. And so now instead of paying twenty dollars to do that, it might now cost me like a hundred twenty or or maybe like two hundred dollars um, to to inscribe just one, um, right? So that's pretty costly. I mean, obviously there's people that will do that, but if you could if you could save eighty percent of the fees and just do it at nighttime, or set your fee rate nice and low to like a a quote unquote economy, right? A, maybe a no priority fee rate, um, and you're willing to wait a day, uh, wait a day or two, or maybe even like five days, <laughs> you, you'll definitely save a lot of money. Um, so it just depends on when, you know, um, Bitcoin is busy um, and when Bitcoin is slow. Um, so obviously people are sleeping at night, so less people are active on chain. Um, obviously, you know, it's global, so there'll still be people in other parts of the world using it. But um, if you're in America, that's kind of where, um, like that time of day is usually when it's very, very active. So yeah, if you're inscribing at night or on the weekend, when there's less trading, then you can save uh, a lot of money uh, when trying to inscribe. Cool. Yeah. When I, when I inscribed my um, Bitcoin ape, I, I woke up at 4am and I ended up saving like 150 bucks because they were like $300 before I went to bed. And I was like, God, ah, to hell with this. I should have did this like a week ago, but I was stubborn. And um, yeah, it ended up being like 150, which wasn't bad because they now like the floor price went to 500. So they're kind of trading like NFTs and people that weren't able to inscribe themselves, they're going to have to overpay. And I guess, plus as word gets out, depending on how low the inscription number is, there's going to be some just like demand for these early, early inscriptions, maybe one day, anything inscribed in the first, you know, 10 million or hundred million Satoshis will be highly desirable and I'll be Maria also, and maybe some other people here will be in that select group one day. Maybe you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, absolutely. 
And yeah, um, you know, in terms of the inscription number, um, as we reach, you know, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, like 10 million, right? I think the number is going to is gonna mean a lot less. Um, of course, sure, like, you know, the first sub 10K or sub 1K are going to have, you know, really high value because they got in really early um, and, and collectors are just, just want the low number. Um, but as, you know, more and more collections come out and more, you know, people start driving more communities, then uh, it will be less about the number and more about, you know, adding value to to the people that are buying it from you and and kind of, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I, I hope it's more related to what's actually inscribed than just like that, uh, yeah. that like NFT collectors OCD to get like a specific trait or a specific number. I, for, for some reason that, I guess I don't have that OCD. It, it, it always like aggravated me with, with NFTs. Yeah. Well, even like, you know, seven, 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 or, um, six, 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 or, you know, uh, Oh, like, Oh, I want the exact millionth inscription, you know, just stuff like that. People, people always find some subjective value to that. And I think it's important to realize that all value is subjective. So, uh, especially with NFTs and, and ordinals, because if you find it valuable, and you're willing to pay that high price, then you'll pay it. But a lot of people will say, holy cow, like that's worth over a thousand dollars. I would never pay that. Right. Um, so it's in the eye of the beholder. And um, yeah, they trade just like NFTs. Um, if you look on Magic Eden, they have their own little tab, you know, um, it's, it's it's interesting how, how well they kind of fit into the whole NFT space. But um, yeah, I just like to tell people, you know, just be careful with the NFT word because, you know, you know, what does NFT mean and, and why do we, why do we call them those things? Right. Just to, um, just so people realize what they're saying, right. Rather than um, maybe saying something that might be a little bit um, incorrect, I guess. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I get that. Um, I usually encourage people to come up and ask questions. So if you guys want to come up, um, definitely come up and ask questions right before this, we did that, that pregame space and people were wondering about, security wondering about whether satoshis can be rewritten and also my question is could this be a precursor possibly to smart contracts on the bitcoin network but if you and you guys have a question just please request the mic it'd be great if a few of you came up to ask questions that we don't we don't think about um maria do you have any other questions that you wanted to ask well, not right now. Well, I, I wanted to know a bit more about your own uh, ordinal collection, but, you know, yes, if you want to share more about it, I've seen that there is a small collection of photographies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was kind of in the, uh, the ordinal discord very early and um, met a lot of people. And I, I do go around to Bitcoin conferences at time to time. So um, I met a few people from there and they, they kind of helped me out. Um, basically, if you're not using like a website, you had to sync an entire Bitcoin node, which I already had, um, but you had to index every single Satoshi, right? Ordinals is basically just another name for ordering Satoshis, right? So for, from the very beginning uh, in 2009, of Jan uh, January 2009, you know, the very first sat um, was a zero or a one. I can't remember. Um, and now we're at, you know, uh, a few <laughs> quadrillion, uh, right? Um, I guess we're, I guess there's 2.1 quadrillion sats. So we're, we're, we're within that range. But basically, you had to index every single Satoshi and, you know, quote unquote, map 
where those Satoshis were. And um, so that took like, so, so one, it takes about a week to sync a Bitcoin node. And then it took another week to sync uh, the indexer for Ordinal. Um, and, you know, two weeks is, is a lot of time in, in Ordinal land because <laughs> people were inscribing these like crazy. So um, I just messaged a few people, said, hey, could you help me out? And um, basically, this is just like a collection of images from my phone. Um, I did compress them because they were very big. Um, they would have cost me like over 100 bucks each. So <laughs> they cost me about 20 bucks each. I paid um, two sats per byte at the time, which was amazing. Um, the, the, the mempool was, was, was empty. Um, there was no very high demand like there is now. Um, so I got very lucky. Um, and yeah, those are in the, the uh, 2000 range, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just very fortunate and happy. And, you know, it's not like I'm here shilling them or saying, hey, buy them. I'm just like, hey, try it out yourself. And like, you know, if you find something that's valuable to you and, um, you know, you want to put it on chain, then and you're willing to pay for it, then do it. Right. Um, it should be more about the art and, you know, the enjoyment of trying something new in Bitcoin and, and trying to just like, understand what's happening underneath the hood rather than, you know, just buying something and trying to flip it. Um, so yeah, those four pictures you can check out in my um, bio. I think it's like a, a web link. It's just me and, and my girlfriend. Uh, and I think a sunset. Um, and you know, those, those, that's what I find valuable. Um, so I wanted to put them on Bitcoin. So that's kind of well, the backstory there. Cute overload here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, it was a lot different um, from back then, right? There's a few people in Discord just kind of figuring it out and, and not really knowing what's going on. And I've been staring at the mempool ever since. So <laughs> it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. But yeah. The, the tooling has improved pretty rapidly, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, early on, um, again, yeah, there's like maybe like 10 people that were fully synced, right? So they kind of had the advantage. And, you know, this was also talked about a lot um, before this, um, if you were in those groups. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of tricky, right? You just heard it from a friend or your, your friend inscribed and then you're like, okay, I want to try this. And it kind of just was a big doggy pile. And um, here we are, we're just talking about ordinals and there's like, we're almost at a million, right? <laughs> I think it took, took weeks, if not, I know it didn't take a month, but it took quite a while to get, just even to get like, like 10,000. Um, so, you know, having, seeing like 70,000 inscriptions a day is insane, um, compared to where we were at like two months ago. Signal, like, oh yeah, there signals here. He's, he's another NFT creator as well. And, um, yeah, signal, whatever you want to ask, feel free. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a few questions. You did a really good job, uh, Bugsy of actually answering a lot of my questions ahead of time. I guess to me at this point, it seems like ordinals are, if it's like a Bitcoin highway, it's like billboards along the way, at least the way people are using them now until there's greater functionality. We'll see. Um, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm curious how you feel about like the current rush and so, so I understand the incentive for, let's say, as a brand to get in now and to make sure you have a stamp. I don't fully understand the incentive for the individual to be involved in like trading that spot. 
and I know you actually did cover this a little bit earlier, but I wonder if you could speak to it a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I do like your analogy of, you know, these are um, billboards along the way until, you know, we have better functionality. Um, I fully agree. Um, you know, I, I, I think Bitcoin is a lot more powerful than we think. Um, you know, I personally believe that, um, you know, it, it may take 100, 500 years, um, but historically, all fiat currencies have failed um, eventually. And I think um, Bitcoin is kind of, you know, the new gold in that sense. Uh, is programmable gold or programmable money. Um, and, um, you know, I think a lot of people are spending <laughs> maybe a little bit too much Bitcoin on these things. Um, you know, I know D gods, they're going for like one Bitcoin and there's only 21 million Bitcoin. So, um, you know, if, if we're living in a, a Bitcoin uh, world where we're using Bitcoin for everything, um, you know, one <laughs> one Bitcoin is going to buy you like a castle someday. So. <laughs> um, just maybe be cautious when 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 spending all your Bitcoin. I always recommend saving some of your Bitcoin, if not um, a majority of your Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, um, I think I believe in things like Lightning. Um, Lightning's a layer two solution where, um, in the future, when fees are very expensive uh, on L1, you'll be able to basically open a Lightning channel with your peers, your friends, family, um, maybe your mayor, um, and you'll have constant liquidity of Bitcoin without having to spend um, fees on the L1 every single day, right? Like you're not going to be buying your coffee um, from Starbucks on L1 in the future. You're going to be using Lightning um, or even something on top of Lightning, um, something like a, like a tarot or um, a Fediment or something like that. Um, those are, those are another, um, another thing. So we won't go into that. But um, yeah, no, I just think that in the end, um, these things will, will become, or block space will become very valuable. And, um, you know, this is just the first iteration. And like I said, um, you know, people are putting more than just JPEGs on these, right? They're putting, you know, WikiLeaks, STL files. Um, people even put like, like games like Pong or like, like Doom, like a demo of a Doom game where you can actually move around or, or like a demo of like Minecraft, stuff like that. That's just kind of like the first iteration. Um, but as we as we learn how to compress files better, we'll be able to have a little bit more storage um, because we can just yeah obviously compress it and then expand it when we need to. Um, but yeah, these these things will still live on, right? There'll still be people that have a lot of money that want to inscribe, or there'll be you know millions of already inscribed art that people will just be trading around like regular um, monetary transactions. So. I think there's a place for these, and I really see the adoption coming to Bitcoin through ordinals. Um, I was obviously I'm a big Bitcoin advocate before ordinals, and that's why I'm here now to help um, educate people, and hopefully they can uh, learn a little something else about Bitcoin besides ordinals, right? If you're holding Bitcoin just for ordinals, maybe maybe buy maybe buy some Bitcoin and, and store that just just Bitcoin alone, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of off-chain. Um, scalability um, to Bitcoin that we just don't realize yet. And um, as it is now, Bitcoin does not scale to 8 billion people on the L1. And I believe Bitcoin scales in layers. So um, think of like a credit card, right? A credit card doesn't actually settle instantly. Um, it actually takes about 30 days for that to settle um, because um, 
your bank isn't really settling that cup of coffee immediately. It's basically putting it into a lump sum of other payments and then settling that um, at a later date. Um, so similar to this, where you'll be you'll be paying for things on Lightning, um, and then um, in the future it would settle on L1. But that might be once a year for some people, uh, maybe even um, you know never. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin scales in layers, and you can't you can't scale Bitcoin to eight eight billion people without um, having different layers. And I I like to consider Bitcoin L1 in the future like an ACH payment, like a like a Fed wire, like like banks and um, nations might be transferring um, you know, Bitcoin between each other for goods and services um, on the L1. Um, and that's like, that's pretty powerful, right? <laughs> it's, it's hard to realize that. And I don't think um, we're at that point, obviously, but maybe in the future. So if I can ask a follow-up, if, if that's okay. Um, uh, of, course. of course, man, good, good. Yeah, so I, I think this is really interesting because like, obviously, um, you're you're a, a a very pro Bitcoin guy, and for me, when I see ordinals, this makes me more excited about Bitcoin. It makes me just want to buy Bitcoin, not necessarily buy any specific ordinals, right? So, what is like? How do you at this point? I mean, obviously, it's very early. Everyone's experimenting. How do you? Is there any way to assess like a good one versus a bad one, other than the order they come in and like what's most rare, whether it's right. number 5,000 or 5 million, yada, yada, yeah. yada. It's, it's tough, right? Um, it's, you know, I, I, we're obviously in a room full of uh, crypto enthusiasts. I'm not going to shit all over, shit all over altcoins. Um, but, uh, you know, personally, I do consider them a gamble, right? It's, you know, you, you might have some um, alpha on a specific coin that might pump for, um, there might actually be some fundamentals behind some things like Cosmos, um, but a lot of coins like meme coins, stuff like that, right? Um, people jump in, they spike, um, they hit a insane evaluation, and then they come skyrocketing back down to earth and they're worth pennies, right? Um, and like I was talking, uh, saying earlier, uh, you know, people that are buying these ordinals right now for, for a lot of Bitcoin, you know, upwards of one Bitcoin. Um, I just think that the Bitcoin itself will be worth a lot more to you than the ordinal in the future. And that's why I said, you know, I, I come at it from like an art perspective where if you really like it and you want to spend 20 bucks or 100 bucks on something, um, you know, go for it and, you know, cherish it, you know, as sentimental. Don't try and use it as a gambling token to flip for, for more Bitcoin. Um, because I know a lot of people do that. And I know that. Um, the NFT space is, is filled with a lot of those people, um, but there's also just people that just want to be part of a community and enjoy and talk with people and, you know, just be part of something, right? Um, you don't need to spend thousands of dollars to do that. So it just depends on, you know, where you're coming from, what your values, morals are, and whether or not you want to, you know, gamble or you want to save for your future. So, you know, for me, like I buy Bitcoin, I put it on a hardware wallet. I don't touch it. And I'm, I'm probably not ever going to touch it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I might give it to my grandchildren and my, my, my grandchildren's children's children, right? <laughs> um, I'm looking for generational wealth and um, I'm looking to, um, you know, save, save my money long term rather than, 
you know, have that initial, uh, you know, I want this right now, so I'm, I'm going to have it now, right? I'd rather delay that gratification and be rewarded down the road rather than, um, you know, like for an example, like you can buy a new car right now, or you could just buy like a $6,000 car, maybe a $4,000 car and still get to work, right? You know, do you really need that $40,000, $50,000 car? Probably not. You can still get away with buying a $4,000 car and getting to work. So, you know, at some point it becomes a luxury, right? People, people have ordinals and NFTs to, to flex, right? To say, look at me, I have this really expensive thing, right? Um, so it just, uh, just depends on where you're coming from and what your goals are. Um, so if, if your goal is to um, potentially retire early, um, you know, have a nice life and not have to work your butt off till you're 80, um, I would definitely recommend buying Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, maybe buying one or two ordinals for fun, but not for financial gain um, and rather just uh, for, for sentimental value. Thanks, Bugsy. I, uh, I yield my time. Hey, uh, you you don't have to yield your time. Um, I definitely hit that one or two ordinals quota a while ago because they're, they're, it's just fun to be involved in the new thing. But obviously it's a huge gamble because if people can just keep inscribing ordinals forever, my ordinal that I happen to like is not necessarily the one that someone else is going to pay money to buy off me one day. But it's just part of this collecting. I, I grew up collecting stuff and I do like, um, I just do like being able to do stuff with Bitcoin. You know, I know that lightning network is really exciting for Bitcoin. I don't think lightning network is even close to being priced in to the Bitcoin price. I've played around on, um, uh, what's the app? Jeez. I have it on my phone. Strike. Yeah. I think strike. That's a cool one. If you guys wanted to just check out how, different lightning is to like sending a normal wallet to wallet transaction. Cause you could send one Satoshi for no fee to somebody else. It's pretty wild. But, um, Bugsy, I don't know if you could speak to how this enhances security or incentivizes miners in the network. Cause we were talking about that, um, before this space. And I don't really know. I just know that it has been said that it does enhance security maybe you can clear that up for us sure yeah so um you know i'm not i'm not a guy with a crystal ball um i don't i don't think you guys think that um obviously this is just prediction um and everyone's going to have their own opinion so um you know everything with a grain of salt um but you know as we're seeing on chain um i think it was 150 bitcoin has be have has been spent on inscriptions um which is a lot that's a lot of bitcoin um so you know before ordinals, you know, we were kind of in a bear market. We we had fee rates at you know one to two sats per byte. Um, they made up maybe you know two to five percent of the total fee. Um, just just for a, a explainer or a a prequel, I guess. Um, every uh, every time you mine a Bitcoin block, you know, you, you're you're basically part of a pool. Um, your pool, for, you know. Uh, basically processes a certain amount of hash power per second, like I was saying with the ASICs, the application-specific integrated circuit computers. Um, and they, when they mine a block, they get a subsidy. So in 2009, every time a, a miner mined a block, they got 50 Bitcoin per block. Um, and then there's something called the halvening, where every four years, 
that subsidy gets cut in half. So think of the subsidy like a bootstrapping kind of mechanism, right? In the beginning, Bitcoin was worth nothing. People needed an incentive to mine Bitcoin in order to kind of get it up and running. So in the beginning, it was 50 Bitcoin per block. A block is roughly every 10 minutes. Um, and after four years, it was 25 Bitcoin. And then after another four years, it was 12.5 Bitcoin. And now we're in the fourth uh, epoch of uh, 6.25 Bitcoin, which is about $150,000, which is quite a lot still. Um, but you know, if you're in a pool and there's like 100,000 miners, right? I, I, I mine Bitcoin and every, every time we get a block, I get like three bucks because I'm dividing that you know, 6.25 Bitcoin reward between like 100,000 different um, ASICs. Um, so I have very few ASICs. I, I contribute a very small fraction to our pool. I get a very small fraction of that Bitcoin. So now in, uh, I think in a year and a half, um, the, the mining reward will go down to 3.125 Bitcoin. And then it will half again and again and again. And with, in like 2040, um, there will be very little subsidy and we'll have to more rely on fees. Right, so every time you make a Bitcoin transaction, you pay a fee. Um, and currently, with ordinals, people are paying more fees because they want to inscribe a bunch of files. So, like I said, um, since like two months ago, we've we've contributed 150 Bitcoin to miners um, on top of the subsidy. So, think of like instead of you know earning 6.35 Bitcoin because you know there's 6.25 plus a very small amount of fees on top right now. Um, and as opposed to now where it's like, you actually might get like seven Bitcoin a block because fees are so so much more elevated that people are paying more in fees. Therefore, those fees go to miners and miners make more money. Therefore, incentivizing to buy more miners and plug more miners in and get more rewards, right? Um, it's a self-balancing mechanism. So you'd see like, like at the top of the bull market um, where it was like 60K, Miners were going for like six thousand, eight thousand dollars, um, because you could make like thirty bucks a day in Bitcoin. Um, you know, thirty like, you know, obviously you're making the same amount of Bitcoin, but in like U.S. dollar terms, right? Bitcoin goes up against the U.S. dollar. You make more money. You make or make more quote unquote money. Um, so miners were going for more expensive. Um, then um, you know, FTX collapsed and Luna collapsed and a bunch of stuff kind of went under. And the Fed started tightening, you know, instead of doing quantitative easing, where, um, you know, the Fed basically prints a bunch of money and gives it to the people. They're basically tightening, uh, quantitative tightening, where um, they basically try and extract liquidity from the markets and make, make people feel a lot more poor. Um, so a lot, of people, a lot more people aren't spending money. Bitcoin goes down. And then technically, on a U.S. dollar terms, you know, when, when, when Bitcoin drops 50%, you know, minor revenue does technically go down 50%, right? Because it's tied to the US dollar price rather than the amount of Bitcoin that they're mining. Um, so it's all relative. And, you know, like we were saying earlier on the conversation, um, this difficulty adjustment is adjusted every uh, 22,160 blocks, I believe, which is roughly two weeks. So, you know, say um, Bitcoin drops 50% and a bunch of miners um, don't believe it's it's profitable, right? It, it costs money to mine. So, for an example, like I pay $180 a month to just to just to run my Bitcoin miner, but I get paid 
$240 in Bitcoin. So it's worth it to me because I make about $60 a month. Um, but if that doesn't make sense to, to some people, say their energy is too expensive, um, you know, they mine um, $160 of Bitcoin a month, but they pay like 180 you know, they're, they're, they're basically losing $20 a month. So it doesn't make economical sense. So they shut off their miner, they unplug it. And then that makes every other miner on the network more profitable because their machine is offline. Now the difficulty adjusts, you know, the difficulty goes lower and then everyone else mines more Bitcoin. Um, so it's, it's a really cool system and very, very balanced because of this um, difficulty adjustment. So um, I don't know exactly where I was going there, but I hope that made sense. No, it does. And, and the, the difficulty adjustment is really fascinating. And I think it's such a, a stark difference from just how proof of stake works. Right. And I think people that, and even myself, I'm not still crystal clear on Bitcoin consensus and, and just how the, um, how the miners operate compared to validators on a proof of stake network. But I think it's a little bit careless for people who are, let's say, 100% in proof of stake tokens to just write off Bitcoin's mechanism as like, oh, it's not energy efficient. It's, it's, it's bad for the environment, yada, yada. I think it's worth diving into that because I remember when I did, I was like, wow, this actually makes economic sense. This is not just like a, a bunch of shortcuts. And it's um, literally you see so so many examples of actual supply and demand when you dive into Bitcoin. It's, it's, I think it's the main thing that stuck with me since I did um, dive into it a couple of years ago was that like, Oh, it's like foundational economic principles, just kind of written into a code that people can't manipulate necessarily. Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. And um, you know, a lot of people like to point to China and you know, the way that they mine with coal and, uh, you know, obviously, we're trying to move away from those things. Um, but historically, um, the more energy output your country um, puts out, um, the the higher your standard of living. So we, well, most of us on Twitter here, I believe, uh, maybe not all of us, um, but uh, most of us here are very fortunate to live in a first world country. Um, we live in a first world country because we expend so much energy. Um, and because we expend so much energy, our, our standard of living is so high. Um, so when people say like, oh no, like stop using energy, it's like, you know, well, the reason why you're, you're sitting in a cozy house with heating and AC and running water that you don't have to like sift through and <laughs> make sure there's no bad chemicals and stuff, like it's because we expend so much energy. Um, so I like to come at it from that angle. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying uh, Bitcoin's perfect by any means, um, but, you know, I also like to compare it to even just like the U.S. dollar and how much energy it takes to run every single bank in America and keep the lights on. And, you know, like <laughs> it's a lot. Right. So if we're trying to replace the legacy system, well, I personally am, but others may not. But, uh, you know, if, if Bitcoin is going to replace the U.S. dollar, um, you got to you got to realize how much does the U.S. dollar expend in energy as well and then make that comparison yeah and uh, I, I, you know it's, it's a lot <laughs> so. so sorry to interrupt i've even heard you know a similar example about including the u.s military energy expenditures into that calculation because 
really one of the main purposes of our military is to keep nations on the dollar. Right. So, um, and that's like, you know, millions of barrels of oil per day, just doing drills in the middle of the ocean. Right. It, it, it's, um, right. Yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely part of the calculation. And I think it's unreasonable to expect like 99% of society to run on fossil fuels and then say, Oh, well, Bitcoin doesn't run on solar energy or wind energy. So it's no good. It's, it's, I, I, I never really understood that. And for people that are in here, you guys all know who Don Kryptonium is. He's a, he's a YouTuber that focuses on the cosmos ecosystem. And one of the, first videos I ever watched, he made a hilarious comment about the environment. And he said, yeah, when I become a millionaire, then I'll have time to worry about green energy. And then he just like went on with this video, um, kind of like criticizing people in the first world who they don't care about the environment, but then because of living in a society where you're able to expend so much energy, like you put forth they they become rich. And then all of a sudden they're worried about the environment and they're unaware of the cause and effect. So it's it, it, your, your example that was making me laugh while you were, uh, while you were yeah. saying it, it reminded no, me of yeah, that. Exactly. Even, um, you know, think about like Christmas lights, right? You know how many people put up Christmas lights on their house? Um, that expends so much energy uh, and people don't even realize it or, um, or, you know, people are so impatient that they have to use a tumble dryer to dry their clothes rather than put it on a clothes rack uh, or like a, like a, a rack outside, right. To, to let them air dry. They want, they want it dry in an hour. So they're going to, they're going to expend so much energy and they have to have a massive wall outlet. That's different than your regular outlet to plug in your, your phone just to, just to dry their clothes. Right. And they're saying, well, Bitcoin uses too much energy. Um, so it is a little hypocritical and, you know, I don't want to, I would never want to attack someone and say, well, you should stop hanging up Christmas lights and you should stop drying your clothes with a tumble dryer. But it's important to, um, you know, at least draw those comparisons and say like, hey, look, like, you know, you charge your phone every night, right? That, that's a lot of energy. Um, you watch TV, you, yeah, you tumble dry your clothes, right? These are all things that take a lot of energy. And you t- I don't, I, I just think people take it for granted and don't realize where, where that's coming from. And, you know, who are you to say that the energy output that I'm using for, you know, a money that I believe is immutable and can't be stopped by your government is, is least, you know, is, is, is terrible for the environment, but your tumble dryer is good for the environment or whatever. Right. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. It's, um, uh, it, it's like never ending, uh, (laughs) never ending argument back and forth between friends on many group chats, I would imagine. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) But, I I want to give people a chance to ask questions, but maybe uh, you you were awesome at explaining stuff. And like Signal said, you did what, like take care of like half of my questions. I don't know if Maria, if you have anything else, and then if not, I'll I could wrap it up with my summary that I've been coming up with while Bugsy's been explaining everything to us. And then um, I I don't mind wrapping it up here and maybe continuing this in a couple of weeks because I'm sure there'll be people in here that kind of deep dive themselves and see just kind of like what's going on with ordinal inscriptions as it relates to their, their own crypto goals. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead, Joe, because seriously, Baxi has been a really great guest that he gave us a lot of really valuable information. So I've been taking notes. Um, yeah, I don't have any question anymore. So cool. No, and a uh, signal if, if you, um, if you want to uh, 
fire up a Bitcoin ordinals wallet. I'll send you one of my, um, I'll send you one of my, my owls, my, um, my moonbirds. I'll, I'll start your collection off. Cause I know, I know that you're going to buy one. Maria knows too. Cause he's, he's, he's an NFT guy at heart. Hey, Joe didn't help to me. We're all the time sharing what we're buying. Like I got this moonbird. I got that one. I'm like, Joe, we're not helping each other. You know? No, this is not good because like Bugsy said, it'd be nice to have some, uh, some Bitcoin left over, (laughs) not just buying, not just buying ordinals, but I bought my last one, uh, yesterday I was looking while you were talking a little bit, but that's just because I'm kind of amazed at how awesome magic Eden is. And if you guys don't know magic Eden, it's just like, it is such an amazing UX for NFTs and it's multiple blockchains. It's pretty cool. So let me, let me, let me see if my summary is, is pretty good. And then Bugsy, give me the thumbs up. If you think I got some of the main points, I don't think I got everything. Cause I think this was the most informative spaces that I've done in, in you know, as, as of these first eight episodes, but basically um, in the beginning, Bugsy describes, yeah, Bitcoin's, um, Fungible, just like the dollar, one dollar equals a dollar, one Bitcoin equals a Bitcoin, but ordinals leave like a receipt behind, right? It's it's on the Bitcoin network, associated with a Satoshi stays on chain, which is a little different than um, than NFTs. And there is a limitation to the file size, right? Bitcoin blocks are four megabytes, so less inscription transactions may fit in a block. It's resulting in higher fees to inscribe ordinals um but the main use case overall is you now have immutable data storage on the bitcoin blockchain which is nice it's not limited to images and then of course with wallets a lot of beginners always need to start with a wallet the wallets that are um ordinal enabled you you get different addresses for the convenience of not accidentally spending the inscribed satoshi but also you could visualize your inscription if it happens to be an NFT. How, how do I do, Bugsy? Is that all right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and, and uh, Ordinal can be in any uh, address or wallet you want. It's just, uh, it just happens, you know, you, you got to know how to manage those coins. So if you don't know how to manage those coins, then there's tools available for uh, you to don't, you don't have to worry about as much. Cool. Maria, you have anything else last minute? Nothing else. Just to remind people that this is, last days actually to claim for their custom uh, BTC kits if they want to if they're holding five women from Cosmos kits and that's it it's been a really nice space I have to say I enjoy it a lot and I'm sure we're gonna be here soon because we are really into the ordinals lately yeah I'll be looking at uh I'll be looking at moonbirds at like 4 a.m probably but um I- um, for sig- signal, I was serious. I'll definitely send you something. If you, uh, if you set up a wallet, it, I have the Hyro wallet and Bugsy, what was the other wallet that you suggested X verse or something uh, like that? Yeah. X Yeah. is another one. That's a good app. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Signal set that up. I'll send it to you. Yeah. And then, um, you know, just maybe just to wrap up for me, um, uh, I, you know, I, before all this, uh, I never really did NFTs or, um, all this stuff. And it's definitely opened my eyes to a lot of different communities and people that are interested in stuff. And, you know, I, I hang out with a lot of gamblers as well, right? I don't, I don't judge them and say they're pieces of shit, right? <laughs> I think uh, we can all have a good conversation and, 
and get along, even though we don't, um, you know, maybe fully agree on, you know, what, what chains we support or what crypto this or Bitcoin that, right? Um, I just really enjoy having these conversations with you guys. So um, I appreciate the space and um, hopefully we can do it again soon. So thank you. Uh, I would really appreciate that, man, especially as the space evolves and there's more developments. That would be really cool if you would come back. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, you get time like later on or tomorrow. If you don't mind maybe DMing me some like links that might help people out, whether it's like Discord servers or just like um, resources online. I know you did give us that um, that Visual Block Explorer. I, I posted it in the nest for people if they want to check it out. I'll compile, you know, a couple of those links and I'll I'll tweet that out tomorrow for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll send over a few for you for sure. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. I'm definitely going to uh, pick your brain in the future. Thanks for all the info. What a great, what a great, like efficient explainer of this, these con these complicated concepts. It's just like, imagine someone kind of jumping into the space now, how much more complicated it was than it is now than it was a couple of years ago. It's amazing. And you need people like this to be able to just build up the knowledge from the foundation and, you know, let people understand at least like a fraction of it without them getting uh you know frustrated and giving up yeah yeah it's tough right um i I don't know if you know post capone but he's a he's a really big ordinal guy and i think he he actually worked on the code but he he joins a lot of spaces but i think um you kind of got to explain it in layman's terms for people and i'm not saying you know i'm not saying you have to dumb it down i'm just saying you have to you know have language that people understand without talking too much nerd talk, right? You, you know, there's there's some stuff that needs to be broken down for people so they understand it a lot more. And, um, you know, that's what I'm here for. So hopefully we can do this again in the future. Cool, cool. No, listen, I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade and the way you're, you're able to break it down, hopefully I get there and I'll be able to uh, explain ordinal inscriptions to somebody pretty soon as easily as you did. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Uh, Maria, thanks so much. And Bugsy, thanks so much for your time. Again, I, for those of you who d- don't know, I just kind of like DM this guy out of the blue after hearing him on another space. I'm like, oh, I need to get this guy to uh, jump into DeFi 101 and explain ordinals because I'm all over the place when I explain it. It's just like uh, still new. And if you guys want to do a little deep dive, anything you find out, feel free to pass that info along to me. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's it. I might see some of you guys at NFT NYC next week. I know Maria's there. I know Gaines is there. And uh, yeah, feel free to hit me up. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was DeFi 101, Episode 8, Bitcoin Ordinal Inscriptions. Recorded on Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening... Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focused, starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fight 
fights back with the cliffs at our backs make the last stand matter no one ever planned for the famine on deck we was walking all erect with the dead man swagger sitting in a little den envisioning in the middle men listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian lost in the maze trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Dan envisioning the middlemen Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the bird Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis Mock up a basement could call me resilient Waiting for the internet to make me a billion Vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-B-B-Billion Channel Spaces <laughs>